Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to reflect on all the wisdom shared in Lesson Impossible's second season. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is me, your host and mission coordinator, Aviva Levin, in Edmonds, Washington. As many school years come to an end, so does Lesson Impossible's second season. I will be taking a break in July, and we'll be back in August with some episodes I'm really excited about such as homeschooling partnerships, gradeless assessment, and trauma-informed teaching. However, for our last episodes, I wanted to reflect on some of the wisdom my special agents slash guests have shared and pull a quote from each interview that really impacted me and hopefully you as well. I hope you enjoy our journey through the season in this part one of a two-part series of bonus episodes. The first guest of the season was Agent Rebecca Rubio. Your lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to create busy, multimodal, and democratic libraries where students saw themselves represented and felt welcomed. It was followed by a bonus episode where Rebecca talked about the role of censorship in school libraries. The quote that stood out for me was, And if everything you're always reading fits perfectly and beautifully within your very contained belief system, I wonder how much your reading is pushing you to grow and to be critical. This really made me cast a critical look towards the texts I asked my students to engage with, along with those that I read personally. I need to be more cognizant of what books I read, as well as what books I recommend to students, and make a conscious choice to choose books with diverse perspectives and characters, specifically seeking out books with protagonists of color. The second lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to examine how science curriculum for female-identifying students could go beyond cliched ideas in order to facilitate an informed exploration of their world. Agent Christine Primomo talked about how STEM education is often seen as a masculine pursuit. Christine worked hard to push back against that narrative and sees middle school as a chance to ignite a love of science in her female-identifying students. Right now is when we kind of like feed that fire that can give them set them on the path to like curing cancer or whatever (laughs) they want to do this made me think hard about the types of barriers to engagement or harmful narratives that are present in my teaching disciplines of social studies and french and spoiler there are too many to spend time on in this recap episode but trust me there's a lot and ways that i can help to push back against them as christine does third your lesson should you have chosen to accept it was to examine what your students need, whether it be representative books, positive attention, or hygiene products, and try to find a way to meet those needs. Agent Letizion Humphrey-Ballantyne is an incredibly compassionate person, and she says about herself, I just love giving. I mean, I feel like I've been blessed. It's it's okay to have a giving heart, um, And it's okay to be positive. Like, that's not a bad thing, you know. This interview really made me reflect on the ways that Western individualist culture can see giving as a weakness and how it is in fact one of our greatest strengths when it comes to inspiring hope and bringing community together, not to mention forging meaningful relationships with students. 
Following Letizion was Agent Susanna Evans. Your lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to not underestimate primary students' abilities to use technology, think metacognitively, and mentor their peers. And believe me, I really underestimated what I thought first graders were capable of until Susanna talked about how they were making podcasts, something that I'm still learning how to do, as well as doing deep reflections on their own abilities, another thing I'm still learning how to do. Susanna herself is constantly amazed by her own students, noting, It's really exciting for me to think about if I can do this with first graders, what will they be contributing in fifth grade or as an adult? (laughs) It's really exciting. I can't help but wonder, what are ways that I underestimated my own considerably older students? And how far could we have pushed our learning if I had let go of my assumptions? Agent Kate Ames, a distance education specialist, was my first international interview, speaking to me from Australia. Coming at a very fortuitous time, as many districts were closing their school buildings due to COVID-19, I was able to interview Agent Kate Ames, a distance education specialist. Your lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to explore the diversity of engaging online learning experiences. Professor Ames had some great examples of doing online learning well, but when I asked her to give educators advice, she said, It's very easy to get overwhelmed, so we try to keep it pretty simple and just focus on that learning journey for the student, what's best for the student. This is fantastic advice that I think could apply to any new teaching situation at any stressful time. And I should probably just listen to that quote on repeat when I start panicking. The subsequent two episodes were also in response to COVID-19 and how teachers, students, administrators, and parents were adapting. Agent Rita Wirtz was focused on the struggle ahead and the pressures being put on teachers to create in-school learning. We cannot be expected to go into parents' homes via a computer distance learning and reach and touch the same as reaching and touching in our classroom with the warmth of school culture surrounding our children. Agent Charles Williams, principal of Plato Learning Academy, was looking forward to how COVID-19 could be the catalyst of change we needed to rethink our education system. I think there's so many things that are are stemming from this, you know, this whole crisis that it's like, If we go back into education and we keep doing the things that we've always done, like we've done ourselves a huge disservice. I'm seeing so much discussion as we look towards a school year in September where we are still unsure of what it will look like. For me, I think we need to keep Charles's point at the forefront. We shouldn't push ourselves to replicate the older traditional model, nor should we have a return to that as our goal. Education needs some drastic changes, starting with dismantling systematic racism, which is unfortunately at its very roots. Whether we make major fixes or start from the ground up, we do need to find a way, as Rita so passionately argues, to preserve the positive relationships that teachers form with their students. Your next lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to help your students and fellow teachers use technology in a mindful and transformative way. Agent Hedrick Nichols gave us some great examples of teaching with apps and a sensible way of thinking about the idea of tech ruining this generation. I think the big thing is that nothing, no one thing can make or break a child, can make or break what they'll be in the future. 
This is a great reminder of why, even though Socrates was worried the written word was going to ruin the minds of his students, as people, we are more than the sum of the technology we use. After Hedrick, your lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to use social media to create connections with and educate your teaching colleagues. Agent Andre Doughty spoke candidly about the racism he has faced as a Black man in education, as well as the message he wants to communicate. We are all in this together, and just because my skin is different, we are still educators. We still care for kids. We still want our students to be the best that they can be. And so we break down those walls that way. Educators of color face so many barriers, and I hope we are asking the questions to those in power that need to be asked. What is the earliest grade our students are being taught by a teacher of color? What are our districts doing to recruit and retain teachers of color? What are our states or provinces doing to make sure our curriculum is anti-racist? What are our schools doing to help white teachers confront their own conscious and unconscious biases against their colleagues and students of color? And we need to not stop asking these questions until we get the answer we want to hear. Another lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to teach students how to use a foreign language using authentic resources and relevant units. In my conversation with Agent Rebecca Blue Wolf, we spoke about educators we admire on social media and how, although we may be intimidated, you know, these are not celebrities like Hollywood movie stars. These are real people who are, you know, will help you. And this made me reflect on the fact that we are constantly telling our students to ask for help if they need it. But as teachers, we are sometimes reluctant to take our own advice. Teachers love to help. And reaching out to someone you admire will often yield positive results, which I should know since I never thought Rebecca herself would reply to my interview request. Agent Megan Shutt then asked us to find strategies, resources, and school models that supported gifted learners. Megan spoke about how at the beginning of the school year, she doesn't focus on a linear year plan, but gets to know her students while asking herself, How do I see their needs playing out affectively, and how can I work that into curriculum? In education, we often say, begin with the end in mind. But if that end is strictly academic, we miss out on key social-emotional learning opportunities. I really like the idea of having affective as well as academic goals in mind when beginning the school year. I was actually able to connect Megan to my next guest, Agent James Fester, because of the amazing work he does with the Park-Based Learning Project, supporting teachers who want their students to engage with national parks and local landmarks using project-based learning and game-based design principles. In our conversation, James said, It's like when you think about the traditional field trip, you see everything and you learn nothing. And if that doesn't describe the typical museum visit with a class, I don't know what does. This is a reminder that just because a student's body is present, it doesn't mean their mind is focused. Moreover, it made me ask myself, what resources do I use where students see a lot of information but don't actually learn anything? Next, your lesson, should you have chosen to accept it, was to examine how your various personal identities intersect and influence how you interact with students and colleagues. As Agent Kwame Sarfo-Mensa states, In order for you to do this job effectively, you have to have a strong sense of self. This hit home for me, as well as for several listeners that I heard from. Personally, doing this interview resulted in a lot of self-reflection, and I've come to realize that, like a lot of things... My teacher identity is constantly evolving as I learn and experience new things. Additionally, 
I need to move beyond self-awareness and be more aware of how my identity impacts others and seek out teaching methods that allow students to feel safe bringing their own identity into my classroom. This brings us to the end of part one, and I hope you've enjoyed our exploration of Lesson Impossible's second season, as I get the chance to share how every interview helps me and I hope my listeners become better educators. There's so much more to learn, and I hope you join me for part two as I reflect on teacher guilt, building my metaphorical toolkit of successful strategies, and why personal failures can make us better teachers. If you want to find out more about what innovative educators are doing around the world, you can find links to the full interviews of the guests featured on this episode at LessonImpossible.com. On the website, you can also get in contact with me to suggest future guests, learn more about the Lesson Impossible mission, and follow the podcast on social media. And if you like the podcast, please consider forwarding it to your colleagues or reading and reviewing it on your podcast listening app. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.